You may be seated. Good morning, church. Thanks for coming on this Memorial Day weekend to worship the Lord with us today here at Open Door Christian Church. We're so thankful and glad that you're here with us. Uh, two things. Number one, we talked just saying about here in our presence. Well, there's someone who's here with us via simulcast this morning. Our dear brother Brian Orston, who's worshiping with us from his hospital room at HCMC in Minneapolis. Who uh, Brian was severely injured this past week in a uh, in an explosion flash uh, fire that uh, burned his face and his hands, and he's been down there since Monday night. Would you give him a round of applause and tell him we love him? God bless you, Brian, Jenny, family. We're so grateful to God for keeping Brian's life and preserving him. Pray for Brian. He's going to have some skin grafting surgery this, uh, this coming week in the early part of the week, Tuesday and Wednesday probably. Also, uh, today and uh, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and we're so grateful that we can spend some time reflecting on the, and honor the brave men and women who have given their lives in serving our country in the armed forces over the years. A hundred miles south of here, in a place called Lamberton, Minnesota, is a grave marker. And on that grave marker is the name Sergeant Stephen James Hubert. Born in 1947, gave his life in the Vietnam War on April 5th, 1969. That man is my brother. I'm just so thankful for men and women who have given their lives, willingly sacrificed for our freedom here in the United States of America. Aren't you glad for that too? So here's what we're going to do. Something very, very special. I've never done this before, but you have to participate with me. I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to thank God for these folks. And I'm going to stop in the middle of the prayer, and I'm going to say this line. And then I want you to name out loud the people you know who have given their names in the, for service to our country in the armed forces. I'm going to say, Lord, today we thank you for... And what I want you to do is, is speak out loud the name of the people that you know who have given their lives. I'm going to say, Lord, today I thank you for Steve. And you say the person all together at once, the people that you know who have given their lives for our service. Let's pray together. And would you join me cooperatively in this prayer? Father, today we are humbled to come before you in your presence as we've just sung about. And we're grateful today for the freedoms that we have just to come here to this church and the churches all over the United States of America to have the freedom to come and worship you in spirit and in truth. And Father, today we're thankful for our country. We're thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy in this uh, democracy that you have given us. We're thankful for the freedoms that we have to uh, go about and do life the way that we're able to without severe uh, uh, restrictions. And Father, we're grateful for the people who have given their lives on our behalf so that we can have this freedom and enjoy it and live in it. Lord, today we thank you for Steve. Lord, you you heard those. We thank you for these men and women who have served us and laid down their lives for us just as Jesus did. And we're grateful, ever grateful for that. We give 
our lives to you in the same format. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, to give us freedom. For, for freedom, Christ died to set us free. Thank you for the freedom we have spiritually. Thank you for the freedom we have personally in our country. In Jesus' precious name, bless our country, we pray. Amen and amen. Would you take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 5. Book of Acts chapter 5. We're going to read verses 12 through 16. We're in the series that we began a short while ago called Why Church? Getting Back to God's Normal. And it's all based out of the book of Acts. And it's asked the question, why church? Why do I need the church? What's the church for? Why should I come to church? And what does it mean to get back to normal? Well, the church has tended to drift over the years away from what God first intended it to be. And in the book of Acts, it's, it's the greatest probably book that gives us the instruction of what church is really all about and how church is to be done and what the meaning of it, what's it mean to be a part of the church, the body of Jesus Christ. Let's read together Acts chapter 5 verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles and they were all together in Solomon's portico. And none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Verse 16. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Pastor Steve has been encouraging us through this series of why church getting back to God's normal to understand that the church is all about Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. He's the bedrock in which you and I are called to build our lives. He's encouraged us over these last weeks to pray big and to pray boldly. Bold prayers. I've taught you over the last period of time to not be afraid to believe God for more. God's always got more for us, and we need to go after Him with everything that we are to experience the more that God has for us in this life. Jeff Krogstad has, has been teaching and encouraging us to live in love, in community with each other, the way God has designed, designed us to live according to the book of Acts. They were all together, gathered together, sharing and believing together and encouraging one another in the book of Acts and doing life and love in community with each other. And we're going to be doing more of that, uh, learning and how to do that and understanding that through the Alpha training and the uh, life groups that are be forming this fall. And of course, in all of this, without the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. And last week, Jeff, uh, uh, Jeff James shared with us last Sunday the need to listen to the Holy Spirit, to obey the Holy Spirit, and to move when the Holy Spirit nudges us along. Well, this is kind of a text in itself in Acts chapter 5, 12 to 16 that's really, really difficult to understand what's going on here unless you understand that this text and what was going on was actually prayed for by the apostles and the disciples back earlier. Turn back with me to Acts chapter 4, if you would, verses 29 and 31. 
John and Peter were arrested by the Sadducees for speaking and teaching in the name of Jesus Christ. And they arrested them and they brought them before the Sadducees. And the Sadducees says, Stop speaking in the name of Jesus. We don't want you using that name. And Peter said, Listen, verse 12 of Acts 4, There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We're speaking the name of Jesus. And they brought him back again and said, You stop speaking the name of Jesus. Don't use his name in the marketplace amongst the people. Well, then they released John and Peter. In verse 23 it says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, get this, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. And they began to pour out this prayer. Now, we don't have time to read it all, but skip down to verse 27. This is what they prayed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the prophets of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And here comes the prayer. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So this is where Acts 5:12 about signs and wonders that were regularly done among the people comes from. It was spurred, it was born out of the heartfelt prayers of the apostles and the disciples who were gathered together under the proof and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's define a couple things first. Number one, maybe you don't have any church background. Maybe you have church background and you've just never dealt with signs and wonders in your church background. Honestly, I didn't do much with it either until more recently in my life. Here's the word. Let's, let's define a couple of words. Signs. What are they? Say, Mia, in the original language, signs, they were the outward evidence of the inner workings of the power of the Lord in a person or a situation. It tells us, signs tell us that the Holy Spirit's present and the Holy Spirit's working in that individual life. For example, a few weeks ago I preached to you out of Acts chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 about the lame man who was laying in the street. He was 40 years old and he laid there a good share of his life outside the temple gate. The signs that God was there, the Holy Spirit was working was in verses 7 and 8 of Acts 3, immediately... His feet and ankles were made strong. Leaping up, he stood and he began to walk. There's the signs. God was at work because God healed his ankles and his feet. And he was immediately, when Peter said, Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter reached down with his right hand and pulled him up. And immediately the man stood up, jumping and leaping and praising God. Because the signs of the Holy Spirit's evidence of his activity and his presence in that man's life was there. Signs. The outward evidence of the inner working of God in an individual's life. Well, what about that other word? Wonders. 
signs and wonders, verse 12 says. Wonders, terata, were signs which caused one to be gripped by awe. Signs are wonders. Wonders are the things, I'm sorry, wonders are the things that cause a person to go, wow, awe. God's really done something here. That comes out of Acts chapter 3, 9 and 10. After that man was healed and leaped to his feet and his ankles were made strong, leaping up, he stood and he began to walk. Here comes the wonders in verses 9 and 10 of Acts 3. When the lame man was healed outside the temple, people were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They were in awe that God had done this great miracle in this man who was 40 years old, whom they had walked by day after day after day as they were going to the temple to worship the Lord. They were in awe that he was now standing, leaping, praising God, and even walking through the beautiful gate into the temple on the shoulder and arm of Peter and John. Wonders. The things that cause one to be gripped by awe because of what God is doing in that individual's life. Well, today in this text, I'm going to ask and answer three questions really quickly. And they're just three questions that I ask as I read this text, and I bet you probably do too at the same time. Question number one, are signs and wonders something that began in the book of Acts after Pentecost? And if not, where did they begin? Question number two, are signs and wonders still for today? And if so, why aren't we seeing more of them happening? And question number three, what's the real purpose of signs and wonders? Well, let's deal with the first question really quickly first. Are signs and wonders something that began in the book of Acts at the time of Pentecost? Short answer, no. The signs and wonders did not start at the day of Pentecost. You can page all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and you see signs and wonders at work through Holy God and through Moses as he was sent by God down to Egypt to, uh, to free the children of Israel. Go all the way back to uh, Exodus. It's written that God commanded Moses to actually use signs and wonders to set the people of Israel free from the captivity of slavery that they were being held in for 400 years. Exodus 7.3 says this, God speaking, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you, he tells Moses. Talk about signs and wonders. God turned blood, water into blood. He sent frogs and gnats and flies and boils onto people's lives. He sent hail and locusts and he put darkness over the land of Egypt for a period of time. He took the firstborn of all the livestock because of Pharaoh's hardness of heart. He would not let God's people go. And he even took the firstborn of the Egyptians finally. So great were these signs and wonders that were happening way back in the beginning of time in the book of Acts that 700 years later, they're still being talked about by the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 20, Jeremiah records this. You have shown signs and wonders in the land of Egypt that happened way back 700 years earlier, and to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have made a name for yourself as at this day. 
Are signs and wonders something that began in the book of Acts at Pentecost? No. Signs and wonders have been used by God since the beginning of time to accomplish His purposes of freeing and bringing and releasing people to come to Himself, to establish Himself as the great I Am who I Am, Yahweh, Jehovah, the one true God, Lord God Almighty. Signs and wonders have existed since the beginning. Question number two. Are signs and wonders still for today? That's the big question, I think, on the table. Are signs and wonders still for today? And if they are, why aren't we seeing them more in operation? Well, we must understand, first of all, that God made some changes along the way. After Pentecost, when He sent the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 instruct us that the believers who believe from the day of Pentecost on, including you and I, are given and indwelt with the Holy Spirit and in that indwelling given spiritual gifts in which to operate on. If you have your Bible and you want to, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. It says there in 1 Corinthians 12:4. I'm just going to read a couple of verses and then skip down to verse 27. In verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul records God telling us, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Spiritual gifts given to us through the Holy Spirit by God as believers are to be used for the common good of one another in the body of Christ. Now, verse 27, skipping down. Now, you are the body of Christ. Getting back to God's normal. Why we're the church. Why church? You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But, Paul instructs us through the Lord, earnestly seek the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Are signs and wonders still for today? You could continue to read chapter 13 and 14, and I encourage you to do that at your leisure, but absolutely. And we're called to earnestly desire the higher gifts, prophecy, number one, and the others, healings, miracles, tongues, and prayer as the higher gifts. It's interesting that in Hebrews chapter 2, Verses one through form, one through four. The theme there in the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the temple and the tabernacle. And in chapter two, verses three and four, we're cautioned not to neglect this great salvation that we've been offered in Jesus. And this is why. In verse three, it was declared at first by the Lord. And it was attested to us by those who heard while God bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His 
will. You get the timeline here? We started way back in the book of Exodus, about 1500 B.C., and we see signs and wonders already at work. And we jump 700 years to Jeremiah the prophet, about 700 B.C., and now we've just jumped in the book of Hebrews and 1 Corinthians to about 70 A.D. after Jesus' birth. And signs and wonders are still on the scene. They're still being talked about. Not, and, and I like what Jer- Jeremiah said, in Israel today. Are signs and wonders still for today? I believe with all my heart, absolutely yes. They're to be in operation. We're to be seeing them utilizing the spiritual giftings that God has placed in believers' lives according to what we've just read in 1 Corinthians 12. Well, here comes the question, the second half of that question. If we're there for today, Rich, why aren't we seeing them more in operation? Why aren't we seeing them in action and activity? Well, let me give you, I think, Three very, very strong reasons why we do not witness signs and wonders to the extent of seeing God do more and more today. Number one, one reason why we don't see signs and wonders and activity of God healing the lame, the blind, and the deaf, like we see in Acts chapter 3, is because of unbelief. It's the biggest one. Just a general unbelief. The opposite response of the faith verse in Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says this is how we must operate. Without faith, it's impossible to please God for who would ever draw near to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. We live in a day and age of unbelief and self-satisfaction. And God help us even in the evangelical church today a doubting of God's ability to do things the way that He's promised to do them. We live in a state of unbelief. It's a general, all-out unbelief. I so appreciate the man who brought his daughter to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you can heal her, would you heal her? And Jesus said, if, if I can heal her, I can heal her. And the father cried out, I believe, but just help my unbelief. Do you have any unbelief in your life creeping in? Maybe it's so subtle that you haven't even noticed it, but suddenly when it's really when your when your faith is really needed and that faith really needs to shine, suddenly there's an unbelief that's coming to the forefront. Without faith it's impossible to please God. We need to be pleasing to Him. We need to be drawing near to God. We must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. One reason for the stopping of signs and wonders is unbelief. Number two, an unwillingness to surrender. There's just a general unwillingness for you and I to surrender totally to Jesus Christ's Lordship in our life. We say to God, God, you can take me and you can have me, but you can only take me this far, and that's all the farther I'm willing to go. I'm not willing to go any farther. You been there? You can have this much of me, God, but not all of me. That unwillingness to surrender shuts down, listen to this, the unwillingness for you and I to surrender everything to the Lord Jesus Christ shuts down the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It just closes the door. And God says, if you're not going to believe me, then I'm not going to do anything. It's this lack of willingness to surrender. 
our lives. Therefore, it shuts down the supernatural working of God through signs and wonders in us, through us in our giftings, and around us in the people that we're ministering to. An unwillingness to say to God, do with me what you will. Church, why church getting back to God's normal? We have to be willing to say all out, I surrender. I surrender. Do with me what you will. I'm all yours. I surrender. Here's the third reason why we don't see signs and wonders in operation today. The third reason is this. I don't know how to say it except to use Jesus' terminology. Non-abiding. Non-relationship. Non-vitality in growing and trusting and being in relationship with Jesus. Non-abiding. This is for believers. I'm talking to believers right now. Jesus said in John 15, those of you who have been here through the book of John, verses 4 and 5, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, fruit grows when belief is being exercised. Fruit grows when there's surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Fruit grows when there's an abiding in the relationship with Jesus and there's a strengthening going on. That's why Jeff James could talk last week about listening and responding to the Holy Spirit's nudging when the Spirit's talking to us. It's in that abiding that we hear and we feel and we respond to what the Lord is speaking to us about. Are signs and wonders for today? Yes. Why aren't they in operation? Because of unbelief and unwillingness to surrender and a non-abiding relationship with Jesus. Here's the third question, and I'm going to scooch through this really fast. What is the real purpose of signs and wonders? We have to absolutely know this. It's the most important of all. What's the real purpose of signs and wonders? Getting back, why church getting back to God's normal? As the open door Christian church, our focus, as Pastor Steve says over and over and over again, he's just drilling this into us as a staff, and he's been drilling it into us as a congregation. Our focus must always be on sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He's good news for our lives. He's the way, He's the truth, and He's the life. He's the answer to life's problems. He's the joy that never fails. He's the peace that passes all understanding. He's the one that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, people are ill. We're ill in this life. We need Christ's healing just like they did in the early church. We need Christ's healing hand on our hearts. We need Christ's healing hand on our minds. We need Christ's healing hand on our bodies. We need to bring people toward a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're about as a church. We need to bring them to the one who is the ultimate purpose of healing everything and doing what the church is to be about. Without Christ, we're lost. Without Jesus Christ in our lives, we have no hope. 
Without Jesus Christ, we're condemned to an eternal death and a separation from the love of God forever and ever. Without Jesus, we're just like that lame man in Acts chapter 3 who laid in the gutter of despair every day, lost and hopeless, wondering where his next meal was going to come from. Purposeless and lost in despair. All the while, God is beckoning you and I through our giftings, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, through the truth of the Word. He's beckoning us to walk through the beautiful gate like that lame man did that day after he was healed and to come to this love relationship and abide in that relationship and be equipped in that relationship by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ risen from the dead. You see, Jesus did not come for us to lay in the gutter of life and despair. He came to give you and I life, purpose, fulfillment, the inner healing of our soul. He came to make us a church where He's the foundation. Remember what He told Peter? On this rock, talking about Himself, I will build my church. What are you building your life on today? Are you building it on the rock, Jesus Christ? that will never fail and never give way no matter what storm of life comes against you. Listen, the purpose of all things, the purpose of all things, including signs and wonders, is found clearly in Acts chapter 5, verse 14. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Four times in the book of Acts, that phrase, people were added to the Lord, is used over and over and over again. Here at Open Door Christian Church, we long for, we pray for, we work toward one thing, leading, pointing, and beckoning people to a living, loving, authentic relationship with the Savior Jesus Christ. Encouraging people to let go of unbelief by showing them the truth. Encouraging people to help surrender everything to the Lordship of Jesus. Teaching people how to live in a love relationship with Jesus that's fruitful, abundant, and full of joy. Let me close with this. You want to see God do more? Pray for more people. Do you want to see God heal people? Pray for more people. You see, want to see God save more people? Pray for more people. Be like Pastor Steve's encouraging us. Pray boldly. Pray boldly. Pray without ceasing. Pray fervently. You want to see God do more in our world of healing its ills in people's lives? Do you want to see people get healed from the inside out? Pray for more people. Go after God with everything in you and watch what God does through the power of Christ directed in you by the Holy Spirit of God. And you will see signs and wonders begin to happen around you. I guarantee it. I'll stake my life on it. And when we do... When we go after God like that, boldly, fervently, and more than ever, believers will be added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women and children. Let's pray together. Ushers, I'm going to ask you to come at this time as well. Let's pray. God, help us to be people of bold prayer. Thank You for demonstrating that to us, Lord Jesus. Even You prayed boldly. 
Father, thank you for the giftings that you've given us. Thank you, Father, that you have done exceedingly abundantly more and will continue to do than we can possibly imagine, your word says. Thank you that your word says when we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing in your sight, you will do more and more and more. Help us to offer ourselves, to surrender ourselves, to lay it all down for you, Father. And God, our greatest prayer, save more people. Rescue more lost people. Bring more people into the kingdom of God than we could ever dream of. Use us. Use our giftings. God, help us to eagerly desire the gifts that you've given us. Help us to train ourselves and to teach ourselves how to exercise and use those gifts and be aware of them, that, Father, we're usable in your hand as an honorable vessel, Paul would say. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing and the ways that you're at work in us and through us.